Church, let's get our hearts ready. Let's have our Bibles open. Thank you. All right. Uh, good evening again. It's good. It's good to see you. Glad uh, you've able, been able to be here. It's been a good night already. I was thinking about how um, <clears throat> how uh, unusual this missions conference is. Uh, it's not often in a church's life where they have a missions conference where, in the course of the conference, they get to send out uh, their own to the mission field, and uh, it ought to be. It ought to be a part of the life cycle of a church that every so often um, the new batch that God has raised and that have now been equipped and prepared go off. It ought to just be a normal part of the life cycle. And so this is just a great opportunity for us as a church, isn't it? It's, uh, it, it, it's a real shot in the arm. And you know, when, when you said amen a little while ago, pastor got up and said, you know, we'd like to... We'd like to support the, uh, the Agateps, and we'd like to support Brother Soren, and everybody said amen to that. He didn't give you an opportunity to, to say no, right? So everybody said amen. Um, you know what you, the magnitude of what you said, don't miss the magnitude of it. What you were saying is amen. Here's what you're saying as a church body. You were saying amen, we will give to that end. And we talked about that, didn't we, about, about our giving being a consistent priority. But now it takes a new shape because we have others that are on the field that we've sent and we've got more that are going, which means there's more required of us. So as a church, our amen was a we will give and it will be our consistent priority. But far greater than the monetary amount when we said amen, what we're saying is we will embrace the journey God has called you to. Pitting, where are you at? Where are you at, Brother Pitting? I'm just trying. Ah, over there, okay. We, we will embrace the journey that God has called these two, as well as these, and uh, we will support them in prayer. And prayer is, is the single biggest factor uh, for us as a church as we see this work go forward. So that's what you said amen to. Did you know that? We're going to give and we're going to pray, and we're not going to stop. We're going to give and we're going to pray, and we're not going to stop. And so that, that was a big amen, and uh, to the glory of God, amen, to the glory of God. We have really enjoyed to be here um, this week. We've been in Australia for a, a couple of weeks or so, uh, ministering in other places, and then we just, uh, it was a privilege to have the last week of our time uh, here in this country to be with us, uh, with family again, and so it's been, uh, it's been great. Pastor, thank you for uh, your vision in this and for the opportunity to come. It has been, uh, it's really been good for all of us, well, for both of us. I don't know about you guys, but it's been good for both of us. Um, shouldn't speak on your behalf, should I? Um, I want to ask a couple of questions before we get into the Word of God. I'll have you turn to 2 Corinthians in chapter 1 tonight. And because it is uh, the, the last night, I know we've got a few things we'll do just after the, the preaching hour, but I don't, want to, I don't want to shortcut this time, okay? So if you'll just, if you'll just bear with me, uh, I don't think yet in the life of the church we've ever had a time where the preacher preached until midnight and somebody fell out the window, that, that hasn't happened yet, all right? And since we don't have any really tall windows, you're safe. And, uh, you know, my watch is still on American time, so I have 11 and a half hours until midnight. So we'll, we'll go a little while here tonight, and I don't want to shortcut this because there's something I want to talk to you about that I really believe the Spirit of God would have you to know. Um, and then after that, I know that pastor's got some things in, with regard to the commissioning and the praying and all of that. And so uh, before we get into 2 Corinthians um, 
chapter number one and some other places tonight. I, I just wanted an opening where you were at so that I could just get a visual on you, Brother Soren. I, I wanted to see you and, of course, Brother Ricardo. And um, I want to ask a question. And, Pastor, I didn't ask you about this, but I just want to ask you a question. Um, how many of you are here today, uh, male or female, doesn't matter, and, and you believe that God has, has called your life specifically into the gospel ministry, uh, men, whether that's to preach the gospel here or in, in another country, or, or ladies, whether that's in a gospel-centric ministry uh, serving on a foreign field. How, how many of you would, would be called to that end? I want you to, if, would you please just stand up? I want to see who you are, all right? So if you believe God has called you into the gospel ministry, I want you to stand so that, I, so that the church can see who that is. This is not a commitment that you're making before the Lord, okay? That's not what this is. I, want, I just want the church to see who it is, all right? So as we look around, Brother Ricardo, you can stand up because you, you're in, and, you know, Brother Pitting, you, you stand up as well, Mariel. And ladies as well, young ladies, doesn't matter. If you feel like God has called you into the ministry, I, I just want you to stand so that we can see who this is because I, I want to know who I'm speaking to tonight, Okay? Because I'm, I'm speaking to you that are, that are standing. And the rest of the church, you get to hear this as well. Okay, thank you. I just wanted to get a, a view for who that was. Thanks for standing up. And I didn't mean to put you under pressure. I'm, I'm sorry if we did that. I didn't mean, I know nobody likes to be put under pressure, okay? So that, that's not what that was about. I just want to know who's out there so that I can, so that I can address you uh, personally tonight. Uh, there were a lot of different ways that I had been praying about uh, the message for tonight. And... Uh, one thing that I hadn't done this week, or the Lord just really hadn't developed in the conference, whether it was, whether it was Pastor or was Brother Jim or, or myself, we, we hadn't really defined a lot about the mission field. I know that we have the flags, and we've already been soundly rebuked that the Lebanese flag is not up here. Um, and apparently the Sri Lankan flag, is that right, is not up here. So we felt that was appropriate. Um, but, you know, we, we haven't really defined the mission field. We haven't talked about, uh, it, it really in depth, about particular fields and, and things of that nature, but I really just believe that was the leadership of the Lord, all right? Uh, we, we understand there's a need, right, brethren? Right? Amen? We understand there's a need, and so that's why we're here. Uh, so tonight, I think the Lord would have us to go a little bit this direction, and, and I don't want it to be a downer, all right? But I want to just speak plainly to you, because when Paul addresses um, the, the work of the gospel ministry, he addresses it often in the Word of God. And not only does he address it externally in the life of somebody else, he's talking about their life and their ministry, but oftentimes Paul will, will turn the, the microscope upon his own life and he'll just sort of open the door a little bit for us to see uh, what a minister of the gospel goes through. And so I want to speak to you tonight that are called into ministry, particularly I'm going to speak to Soren and Brother Pading because you're just getting ready to launch that direction. Ricardo, obviously you've been in it for a while with your wife, but... This, this is for all of you, but this is particularly for you, because I want to just share with you, brethren, um, the journey that God has called you to and what it entails. Now, Brother Peter, let me just say this to you before we, before we start tonight. Uh, you, you mentioned in your testimony about the fourth quarter, and that's the quarter of your life. Uh, you've got the, the wisdom of many years and the experience of many years of, of living and serving God, and you have been a, a demonstrable testimony in your life to this church. So we have seen your fruit, and Mario, your fruit here in this church. So nobody in the church would have, would have any argument that uh, God's call is on your life. But my brother, when you get to the field, I would encourage you to find your Timothy quickly. 
because you need to begin to train that man behind you because you're in your fourth quarter. Um, Soren, I told you that this morning. You need to start praying about that, Timothy, right now. But, Brother Penning, it is a matter of urgency in, in some regard to you. And the Lord will bring that man to you because you're a soul winner. You'll find the man. God will connect you to him, just like as we learned this morning. Brother Jim, you were talking about that, where Paul went north and ran into Timothy. It was just the will of God, okay? And so you're, in a sense, you're going north. You can't get any further north than where you're going in the Philippines, right? And uh, there's bound to be a Timothy up there somewhere. So what, what we need to do as a church, brethren, is we need to pray to that end for Brother Penning that God would connect him with the man or, or the men that he could begin to train in earnest, He's, he should already be looking for his replacement. You understand that's what ministry is. It's about replacing yourself. So, Brother Pitting, I just want to say that before I forgot that. That's a, of critical importance to you when you get to the field. But for all of us together, brethren, we're, we're going to learn some things about Paul's, uh, Paul's life. And, and I said I didn't want it to be a downer, okay? But let me just tell you the title of the message. Here's the title. Uh, a Partaker of His Sufferings. How's that for a shot in the arm? But uh, we're going to learn some things tonight, and Lord willing, the, the Spirit of God will help us tonight. So we've prayed many times, but I just feel like we need to do that again. So bow your head with me, and let's, uh, let's talk to the Lord for just a moment. Lord, it's always such a, a, a wonderful thing when we see that you've been working in the hearts and lives of men and women, and we marvel at it, really, Lord, because when we just pause and look at ourselves, we wonder what it is that, that you could possibly do with people like us. But Lord, we know that uh, it's by the grace of God that we are what we are, and any good thing in our life is just a product of you working in us, and we, we acknowledge that uh, tonight. And so, Father, as a church, uh, we rejoice tonight in all that you've done, and now, Lord, this is just the beginning. So much more is ahead, and uh, of great importance and responsibility to the brethren here that stay at Southland. And so, as we learn together tonight, and as we take a very sober look at the things that are ahead. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would comfort and encourage our hearts, that this would not be a discouraging time at all, but that we would, that we would seriously understand the magnitude of what you've called these to do that are preparing to launch into the mission field. Uh, may they take it seriously. May we take it seriously. And Lord, at the very end of it, may you be pleased and glorified very much by the response of this church uh, in regards to sending these missionaries onto the field. We pray. For Jesus' sake, amen. All right, partakers of his suffering. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, again, you're familiar with Paul's writings here. And uh, Paul wrote 1 Corinthians as a book of rebuke. It was a letter of rebuke to the many things that were going on at the church of Corinth. But now he's writing this letter as, uh, as a follow-up. And I think you would know that there have been some great strides that the, the church had made forward. Uh, there were some things that they needed to be corrected on. And, and they took the correction and they did the thing they were supposed to do. And now Paul is going to write, and basically, here's what Paul's going to say. Uh, you've done well. You know, you've done well. You've taken the rebuke, and uh, you've adjusted some things in, in the church. And so Paul is now writing this letter this way. But I want you to notice, we're going to read a number of verses in chapter number one, and uh, just try to get a feel for what Paul does as he introduces the letter, all right? So he says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth, with all the saints which are in all Achaia. Grace be to you in peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforteth us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. 
And whether we be afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effectual in the enduring of the same sufferings, which we also suffer. Or, or whether we be comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope of you is steadfast, knowing that as ye are partakers of the sufferings, so shall ye be also of the consolation. For we would not, brethren, have ye ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God, which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us, ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Now, I know there was a lot there. And sometimes when we read through the Bible, particularly these things that Paul wrote, there's, it's, uh, it's good for us to just read it slowly to make sure we understand the sense of what he's saying. So this is the introduction to Paul's letter. And it's a pretty heavy introduction. Paul starts off by basically just saying, now I, I want to I thank God in verse number three because he's the father of mercies and the God of comfort. And so he begins the letter by saying, uh, implying that there is a trial that, that he has gone through. But not just he, but, but Timothy who's been with him. And they've gone through these trials, but God has comforted them in these trials. And that's how he begins the letter. He implies we've gone through some hard times. And so he's going to tell us a little bit about the hard times of the ministry. And uh, Brother Pedding and Sister Mariel, Brother Soren, I just, I want to talk to you for just a little while here um, about these sufferings that God has called you to in the ministry. Um, and I think we're going to learn some things that uh, no doubt you've thought about, but I want to talk to you very plainly about these things. So first of all, I want to talk to you about the affliction of the missionary. Okay, the affliction of the missionary. And church, you need to listen to this because because this is the journey that God has called them to, that God has called them to. They're, they're in this journey, and we need to know this because we are on the same ship, okay? We're all, we're all on board the same ship, and so we need to understand what that journey is. And verse number five, I want you to notice what Paul said. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, talking about he and Timothy, the brother, all right? He says the sufferings of Christ, they abound in us. And so for you, brethren, the affliction of the missionary, first of all, is this. It's a call to suffering. What you've said to the Lord when you agreed to the gospel ministry is, I embrace the call to suffer. Okay? I embrace that call. And uh, there's many types of suffering that you're going to find on the mission field. And if we'd had a time for Ricardo to, to stand here this morning and he could talk, he was having trouble talking this morning, but... If he could do it this morning, then, then here's what we would find out. We, we would find out, if he would speak plainly with us, that there has been, in two and a half years, there's been a great deal of suffering. Things that he has not shared, but, but griefs and heartaches and setbacks and sorrows. Um, you know, guys, when, when we understand ministry, Brother Jim and Ms. Becky, you understand this as well. When, when we talk about ministry, ministry is people. It's not stuff and it's not events. And, no, ministry is people. And where we we're all people. We're all flesh. And where we have people, we have trouble. There's, there's sin and there's sorrow and, and there's all sorts of problems that you deal with because you're dealing with people. And so the, the suffering that God has called you to, this call to suffering is, is dealing with people. You're going to suffer because of people. 
It doesn't mean the suffering is going to be a fist to the face. That could happen. Soren, you know the dangers of some parts of your country. We've experienced some of those things. We, we understand some of that. But there's, there's many times a greater degree of suffering that comes emotionally and spiritually um, and oftentimes physically, but not necessarily that kind of physical suffering. But th- there are many kinds of suffering you'll face in the ministry. You, you're going to have people that you have, Im- you have uh, invested deeply in, and they're going to they're squander that investment and ruin their life. And you have invested deeply in them. Brother Pedingo or Soren down the track, you're going to have a Timothy that you've invested and loved, and, and he's going to fall away. And, and it's going to be a Demas that's forsaken you, and it's going to break your heart. There's, there's a suffering, there's a price that, that must be paid in the ministry. And that's why the ministry is not for every volunteer. It's that, that is something that God calls you to embrace. It's an embrace of suffering, okay? Um, I want you to just uh, flip over to chapter 4, and maybe we, get a, uh, maybe we get a bit of a glimpse into what that is, all right? Chapter 4, and Paul gives us a bit of a, an understanding here. So look at verse number 8. Verse number 8, here it is. Here's the ministry in a nutshell, all right? Here it is. Verse number 8, we are troubled on every side, but we're not distressed. We are perplexed. You know what that word means? We don't know what to do. Ricardo, have you ever been in a situation on the mission field you didn't know what to do? And, and it wasn't like, how am I going to pay my light bill? But it was, I, I'm here and I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. Okay, Paul said, we are, we are perplexed, he said, but not in despair. He said, we're persecuted, but he said, we're not uh, forsaken. We're cast down, but we're not destroyed. Look at the next verse. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. Why? That the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our body. That's the ministry. We need to do away with this idea of the, of the glamour. Uh, it's, it's not a paycheck. It's not an easy salary. It's not a, a life of ease. It's a call to suffering. There's affliction that comes in the ministry. But it's, it's a divine call on your life. And you've stood to the church and testified as to your understanding that God has called you to embrace the ministry. And the ministry means there's going to be some affliction. There's going to be some hard times. Now, I, I want you to understand the great contradiction in the life of a minister. He said in these verses, uh, we're troubled, but he says we're not distressed. How can that be when he says we are perplexed? We're in a situation where we have no idea what to do, but he said we're not in despair. Oh, he says in the next one, he said, we're persecuted in the flesh, but he said we're not forsaken. And then the last one, what does he say? We're cast down, but... He says we're not destroyed. There is, listen to me now tonight, brethren, there is, a, there is a physical aspect to affliction, but there is a correlating spiritual response that God gives you to that affliction. Something that happens in your flesh physically that will, that will afflict you and will cause you to suffer in the work of God, God will come alongside and undergird you spiritually with strength to handle that physical affliction He's allowed in the ministry. That's what the paradox of, of the ministry is all about in those verses. It's the great contradiction of the, of the Christian minister. And you need to know those verses. It would help you, if you haven't already done it, memorize those verses so that you can understand when you're going through that journey, oh, this is what Paul was talking about. I'm hurting on the outside, but what God's going to do is he's going to gird me with strength spiritually, okay? And so that's what we understand. Look at uh, verse number 10. Go back to... Um, 
actually, sorry, verse 10 of, of chapter 4. I didn't write that down. Uh, look at verse 10 of chapter 4. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus. That's my flesh. I'm bearing about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest uh, in our body. You see, on your mission field, if the people are going to see the life of Christ in you, they're going to see it in you in how you respond to suffering. And you have to bear about in your body the dying of the Lord Jesus so that they can see the life of Christ manifest in you. They're going to watch you suffer. They're going to watch you go through affliction. And, and brethren, listen, uh, if you go through affliction spiritually, it's going to draw men to Christ because they're going to see the life of Christ manifest in your body because you're going through affliction the right way. Not every believer goes through affliction the right way. You, we all know that. So there's probably been times in all of our lives that we've been afflicted in some way and we didn't respond right. And so this is what Paul's talking about here. You need to respond to affliction the correct way. So let's, let's be clear about something, though. I, I know that seems like a bit of a downer, but it's the reality of life. Uh, well, I want to be clear about this. Suffering is not defeat. It's just suffering. Hey, you know what? We're all going to suffer. Somebody has gout. Somebody has an, an ailment. Okay, you're suffering. Everybody suffers in some way, but you are called to, in part, the affliction of the, the gospel ministry, and it requires some suffering. And, but that suffering is not defeat, all right? And that's what Paul was saying in chapter 4 here. I'm not defeated, even though it hurts sometimes, okay? It's going to hurt sometimes, not all the time, not every day, not all day. It's just going to hurt sometimes, but when it hurts, it's not defeat. It's just, it's just some hurt. Now, I want you to go back to chapter 1 because I, there's a call to suffering, but look in chapter 1, in verse number 5, there's also some consolation in suffering. You see that in verse 5? For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. Hey, you need to know something as you, as you labor on the mission field. That there is consolation in your suffering. Now those sufferings will abound. They're not going to be minimal. They're going to abound in your life. Okay? But the consolation is going to abound. What Jesus is going to do for you. Look at verse number 4. Just drop back. We read this verse. Who comforteth us in all our tribulation. There it is. When, uh, when you were growing up, if you grew up with your, with your mom and your dad in the home, and uh, you ever got a boo-boo, did, did, your, did your mom ever comfort you, console you? There, there. Did you ever have a mother like that? Oh, my mom was like that, okay? And I'm not, I've never really been like that. Heidi's that way with the kids, and I'm like, yeah, get over it. But maybe that's a guy thing. I don't know. But do you know what I'm talking about, that, that consolation? It's a drawing in close, and it's going to be okay. And Paul was saying um, in verse number 4, this is, this is the Father to us. He comforts us in our tribulation. And when you're going through some hardship on the mission field, brethren, uh, you're going to need the comfort of the Lord. You're going to need that. And, and that's, that's the first thing you need. Before a Facebook post and a call home, and I'm not against those things, but before that, you've, you've, you need the Lord because the Lord is the answer to every issue you're going to have. The brethren, we can only do so much. We could say something or maybe not on the telephone, but you need the comfort only God can give you. So he says he, he comforts you in your tribulation. You know what that is? That's closeness to Christ. Brethren, you understand the benefit of suffering? 
is it draws you close to Jesus. Hey, church, we need suffering. Because what we need is closeness to Jesus. It's what we all need. But on the mission field, that's what you need. You need to be close to the Lord Jesus Christ, which means he's going to bring some suffering into your life. That's what Paul was talking about. There's a closeness to Christ. But, but it's not just suffering for the sake of closeness. Okay, now this is very, very important. Because brethren, listen, when you launch into the mission field, I told Soren this morning, he's going to step into a country that's different than the Philippines. Um, Sri Lanka is almost still entirely shrouded in spiritual darkness. And when he steps into that country, he's got a, a great big target painted on him. And he's stepping into a spiritual environment and he is defiantly challenging the ownership of that country by the God of this world. And he's saying, I'm bringing the gospel message here and there's nothing you can do about it, okay? So there's going to be some suffering. People are going to be watching as you minister, though. They're going to be watching you. And what Paul said in verse number four is this, that, that affliction allows us to be comforted, verse number four, but there's a purpose for it, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. How can we do that? By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. How are you going to effectively minister to people in their hurt unless God has first allowed you to be hurt and received his comfort? And then you're going to go to them and say, now listen, I know what it's like to hurt. Let me just tell you about the God of all comfort for you. That's, that's the ministry. You know, as I speak about this, I, I was really praying about this today, Pastor, because um, we need to understand the, the seriousness of the call of God here. And it is my prayer in this way, and let me speak to the, to the males of the church. It, it is my prayer that at the end of a message like this, that you as men, as young men, would be so in tune with the Spirit of God that a message about affliction and suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ would not cause you to tuck your tail between your legs and run out the door, but rather you would raise your hand and say, as Isaiah did, God, I am right here. If you choose to send me, I am volunteering. We need a generation of men that are willing to volunteer and say, Spirit of God, if you would choose to use me, I am volunteering for duty. Would you call me? I'm offering myself to you. And we ought to be looking at the affliction and the hardship and the trial of ministry as a reality of what God has chosen to do in the life of his ministers. And we ought to raise our hand and say, if that's what you've called me to do, I am willing to go. That's what we should do. And so that really is, uh, that's really the prayer here. That they would understand as they launch and continue ministry what it is they're, they're doing and getting into, but that we as men of the church would step to the front lines and say, Lord, it was never easy being a soldier. But I'm stepping to the front line. I'm saying I'm ready to go if you want to choose to send me. So there's affliction, all right? There's the call to suffering. There's consolation in suffering. And I, I like what Paul said in 1 Corinthians 4. Don't turn over there, but here's what he said. He said, for we, we are made a spectacle unto the world and to angels and to men. Guys, if you're doing the work of God the way he has called you to do it, then you also will be a spectacle to the world. You'll be a spectacle to the spiritual dimension which you cannot see. You'll be a spectacle to the people around you. They are going to watch what you do. And as you suffer and embrace closeness to Christ, you're, you're, you're visibly showing the life of Christ being manifest in your life. That's what ministry is all about. Uh, let me give you some advice from those that have gone on before you. That's always very helpful. So let me give you some advice. I'm just going to read what they said. You might have heard of Hudson Taylor. Here's what he said. Brother, brother, if you would enter into that province, you must go forward on your knees. Uh, you might know of Count Zinzendorf. He says this, 
I have but one passion, it is He, it is He alone. The world is the field, and the field is the world, and henceforth that country shall be my home where I can be most used in winning souls for Christ. Shall I tell you about Jonathan Goforth, who said this, all the resources of the Godhead are at our disposal. How about David Brainerd, an American missionary to the Indians there? He said this, he said, I cared not where or how I lived or what hardships I went through so that I could but gain souls to Christ. How about John Keith Falconer, who said this, I have but one candle of life to burn, and I would rather burn it out in a land filled with darkness than in a land flooded with light. Or maybe it was Hudson Taylor who said this, God isn't looking for people of great faith, but for individuals ready to follow him. Hey, listen, there will be affliction, but you need to embrace it for the cause of Jesus Christ. Paul talked about that here in this chapter. And so he said the sufferings of Christ abound in us in verse number five. But he said in verse number six, if we're afflicted, it's for your consolation. You're going to watch our affliction and you're going to see the life of Christ manifest in us because of our suffering. And it's going to help you in your life. And so Paul says, I know you're going to suffer. And so I've got some confidence that as you've watched me suffer, that it's going to help you as you suffer. And so he says in verse number eight, don't be ignorant of the trouble we went through. Hey, Ricardo, it was, no wrong, it was not wrong for you to stand up here and say, ah, there's, there's some issues in my ministry. We faced some trouble. And, and it might have been spiritual. It might have been physical. It might have been financial. Uh, all of those are acceptable and reasonable struggles on the mission field. And Paul said, I want you to be informed as to my struggle. He said, I don't want you to be ignorant. Hey, brother, let me just tell you, you that are going into the ministry, we are, we are required to be informed as a church. Paul said, I don't want you to be ignorant of my trouble. And you need to let us know as a church, why is that? So we can pray for you. We don't know how to pray unless you inform us of the trouble. Because we're not ignorant, brethren, as believers, correct? We understand they're launching into trouble. They're launching into trouble. And it's our job to hold the ropes and pray. So Paul says, I want to tell you about this, this trouble. I want to talk to you now about the attitude of the missionary, okay? So for the, for the three families here, unless I'm missing somebody else, but the I'm going to talk to you about the, the attitude of the missionary. Uh, we know the affliction of the missionary. Paul talked about that. But notice his attitude. Verse number 9. I'm sorry, verse number 8. We would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. You know, I don't really know what it was Paul went through here. He, he, doesn't, he, he never lays out specifically what this issue was in the Bible. But all we know is that he was in such dire circumstances that he said, we didn't even know whether we we're going to be able to live through this. Okay, that's a pretty severe thing. Maybe not many of us have been in a situation where we weren't sure we were going to survive it, okay? Paul said that was what we were going through. But notice the attitude of the missionary in the very next verse. But we had the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead. You see, the attitude of the missionary is this. Here it is. You ready? This is another one of the downers, Okay. It's a sentence of death. The attitude of the missionary is this. It's an internal decision that I choose obedience over safety. I am going to press forward into the work of God. I'm going to disregard my life, and I'm going to do the thing that God has given me to do. We look at the life of Paul, and we know that in the place that Paul was at, there was some, there were some physical issues. Don't we see that? You know, he, he goes through the litany of all of his ministry accomplishments. I was shipwrecked. 
you know, I was beaten with rods, I was stoned, I mean, all this stuff that he went through, a night and a day, you know, treading water, that'd be the worst of all for me. Sharks are, just stone me, you know? But Paul went through all of that, okay? And he let the church know that. But the attitude that he had was this, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves, he says. I have chosen to obey God. Uh, You see, what we know spiritually about us is this, we're already dead. We're dead already. See, Paul said this, he says, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. Uh, How can a dead man have the sentence of death if he's already dead? Do you understand what I'm saying? The, The attitude of death is this, this sentence of death that he had, it's the putting down of the old man so that the man of God can embrace the call of God to do the work. Does that make sense? It's the putting down of the old man so that the man of God can embrace God's call into the gospel ministry. That's the sentence of death. And, and Paul said, the reason that we did not despair of life, the reason that we had hope even through the midst of our trials is this. We knew who we served and we were dead already. You understand what he's saying? That's what he was saying. There was a missionary named James Calvert who many, many years ago went to Fiji. Like one of the first missionaries that went there. Well, you may not be familiar with this, or you might, but, you know, our South Pacific Island neighbors back in the day were cannibals. The ship captain tried to turn him back, and here's what he said. He said, you're going to lose your life and the lives of those whom you travel with if you go among such, such savages, and Calvert replied this, he says, we died before we came here. That's the, that's the sentence of death. We already died. For you're dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. That's the attitude we're talking about as a missionary you have to have. We died before we came. Before you launch out of the mission field, you need to die. You need to die to yourself. You need to die to your ambitions. You need to die to all your dreams. And you need to live to the calling and will of Jesus Christ. And that should be your sole focus. Die to self. You're not going to pursue and succeed in the work that God has given you to do if you don't. Now, the missionary attitude should be a complete lack of self-dependence. Brethren, you know your skills mean nothing. And you're, you're all skilled in your own way. Your abilities, your eloquence, your background means nothing to the Spirit of God. You need to die to yourself and your own dependence and rely solely upon the Spirit of God. It's the power and working of the Holy Ghost. You understand a dead man has no feelings and a dead man has no will. It's his alone. Okay? So the attitude of the missionary is he needs to have a sentence of death, right? But I want you to notice something else in this verse. uh, Verse number 10. Now notice he said we had the sentence of death in ourselves in verse number 9 that we should not trust in ourselves but in God which raiseth the dead. And notice what he says in verse number 10. He said, who delivered us from so great a death, whatever it was that was going on, and doth deliver, he still does, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Now I want you to understand the certainty of their faith. Understand, missionaries, the certainty of their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, He did, he does, and he will. That's called faith. He's delivered us, he's delivering us, he will deliver us. That's what Paul was saying. And there is an element of faith that you must have. A strong and abiding faith is required to fulfill the call of God. 
Brethren, you must have a strong faith in God and ask Him, ask Him to try your faith. Ask Him to build your faith. Understanding what that means, He's going to bring you through some trials. But it's necessary for you to fulfill the thing God has given you to do. And it takes great faith to do it. And that faith is built through hardship. It's built through trusting God when you cannot see. The attitude of the missionary, it's very important. There's a sentence of death, but there's also a certainty of faith. God has delivered me. He's delivered me today. He's going to do it tomorrow. There's just a complete faith and confidence. So, the missionary. The missionary is called to affliction. I know it's a bit quiet in here. Thank you for listening. The, the missionary is called to affliction for the gospel's sake. They, they must have an attitude of death to self. And they must have a sure and constant faith. That's the missionary. But now for just a moment, I want to talk to you in the church. Uh, you've listened to what the Bible says about these that are going. But now you and I, we, we have some things we need to talk about, okay? And so Paul deals with that in the very same chapter. We're back in chapter 1 of, of 2 Corinthians. Paul said in verse number 10, he, he delivered us, he doth deliver, and whom we trust he will yet deliver us. Now look at verse number 8, he, he switches tracks and he says, let me talk to you about you. Verse number 11, ye also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf. Here's what he said, what I need is a church that prays. Ye also helping together by prayer for us. The missionary needs prayer. Hey brethren, this is important. It all stems from this. Uh, let me just briefly give you what the missionary needs prayer for. A lot of times we, we wonder, what do we pray for the missionary? And because we don't really know, here's what we say. Lord, bless the missionary. What does that mean? What are we asking God to do? Give him a bigger house? Seriously, what are we asking God to do there? We need to pray specifically. What does the missionary need prayer for? The Bible tells us, and I'm just going to run through them quickly because we don't have a lot of time here tonight, okay? Here's what he needs prayer from. Uh, for. He needs prayer for this. Deliverance from conflict with unbelievers. There's going to be conflict. Ricardo, have you faced conflict with the lost? Isabel? Absolutely. You're stepping into the devil's territory. Lost people are going to cause problems. We need to pray that God would deliver that missionary from conflict with the unbelievers. Uh, Paul talked about prayer in this chapter about despair. You're in 2 Corinthians 1, verse number 8. For we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. We were pressed out of measure, above strength, insomuch that we despaired even of life. We need to pray for a missionary knowing that there's going to be times when they're going through despairing situations. The depth of despair. We need to pray for them about that. Paul talked in Philippians 1 about confidence to speak in the face of persecution. It's not easy to stand and give the truth of the gospel when you are being persecuted for doing it. But Paul said, I need you to pray for me that I would speak as I ought to speak because he was being persecuted. And you know how Paul was persecuted? They put him in the middle of a group of people and they beat him half to death publicly. And then they drug him to a prison and threw him in the far back corner with Silas. <laughs> okay? So we need to pray because the missionary is going to face persecution to some measure. And we need to pray that God would give them boldness to speak in the face of persecution. Uh, Paul asked for prayer uh, for uh, open doors to preach the gospel. Pray for me that God would open doors to preach the gospel, all right? And we, we need to pray for these about that. Okay, Brother Penning, 
you know the mission field you're going to. You, you know it. And you need open doors to get the gospel. I love the fact that up there that, that there's fruit and there's a ripeness and people are getting saved. It's a blessing, okay? Soren, you talked about 100 and some odd people that got saved. Is, is that what you said? In that six-month period of time, you need to be praying, God, open doors. An open door in the, in the New Testament is in reference to the gospel message getting in. That's what the open door is. It's not an opportunity to make money. It's not an opportunity to look better. It's, it's an opportunity to get the gospel in. That's the open door, okay? So, Ricardo, same thing with you. You've, you've had a church plant. Uh, you've had open doors on your video today. You know, you've, you've shown us that there was a new area that you're reaching into. That's an open door. We as a church need to pray that God would open doors for the gospel to get into new areas. Because a missionary doesn't just sit in one place with 12 people and write a prayer letter. It's a, it's a constant search for the lost. That's what it is, all right? And then let me give you two more. That the word of God can be preached without interference. That's in 2 Thessalonians 3. That he can preach the word of God and not be interfered with, all right? We need to pray that God would do that. And then the last part here is that, that God would deliver them from imprisonment. Because you know what's going to happen. There is going to be the threat that if you don't shut your mouth, you're going to go to jail. Okay, that's, that's going to happen on every mission field. And we need to pray that God would um, help the missionary in that area. Okay, so let me just say something about finances, the, praying about the financial needs. Brother Ricardo, you brought this up today about, about your vehicle, all right? Let me just, I, I want to just say this in a kind way, and I actually had this written down before he said that. So let me just read you what I had sort of written down. I, I don't think that the church should often have to pray about the financial needs of the missionary. I really don't think that needs to be a major part of what we pray for because I believe we've already been given the resources to meet at least 95% of the missionary's needs. We already have them in our bank account. So we should still pray when we find out that there's needs as we found out today. But that, that shouldn't really be the major portion of what we pray for missionaries about because brethren, the truth of the matter is just right here we have the resources to probably meet most all of the needs of our missionaries. We can do it. And I believe that God expects us to do it. Um, and so, we, but we still should pray for those things. Uh, the, the church has to fulfill its missionary obligation as a church. We've talked about what the missionaries go through, but as a church, we have an obligation to these missionaries. And I think that's how we justify our existence as a church. We fulfill our missionary obligation, okay? And so we just need to recognize that. Uh, we do need to intercede for our missionaries about these, these things and other things. But uh, I, I find it interesting that when Paul wrote the, the epistles to the churches, in every epistle, he asked for the church to pray for him, okay? We can reach the world with the gospel. Do you believe that, church? We can do that. And it's not a problem with money and manpower. It's a prayer problem. That's why Jesus said, pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, and he'll send forth laborers into the harvest. Our job is pray. It's pray, okay? So we, the church is a church that needs to pray, and then obviously, if you'll look at verse number 11 of this chapter, he said, he also helping together by prayer for us that for the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Drop down to verse number 15. And in this confidence, I was minded to come unto you before that ye might have a second benefit and to pass by you into Macedonia to come again out of Macedonia and of you to be brought on my way toward Judea. You know what Paul was saying? He was saying, church, not only do you need to pray, but you need to pay. And the gift that was bestowed upon him was a monetary gift to help him do the work he was supposed to do as, a, as an itinerant evangelist, a missionary, okay? And so we've talked about stewardship, and we, we talked about that on, um, on Saturday night. And that's just part of our responsibility as a church, to, 
to uh, help them pay the bills to do the work that God has given them to do. So, brethren, we're talking tonight about the partaker of, of the sufferings of the work of God. And I know it's a sobering message. I'm sorry I didn't have a, a fun one to bring to you tonight. But I just felt like this was of the Lord as we, as we commission these to go and understand what they're going to go through and that you would understand biblically what God expects of you and has called you into. And then that we as a church would also understand not just that, but our responsibility in that. Are we okay with that tonight? And so we'd understand that our two responsibilities as a church primarily is to, number one, to pray, and number two, to, to pay. It's pray and pay. We'll just write that down, pray and pay, okay? That's our responsibility. And it's okay that we smile about that. We should. It's better than frowning, okay? Um, because we have a great obligation and great responsibility to do that. And so uh, may the Lord bless you as you go. May the Lord keep you in, in safety and in the will of God and, and protect you emotionally, spiritually, physically, your marriages, your purity, your heart as you pursue the thing that God has given you to do. And, and brethren, listen, may you know that, that you have a church here that loves you, that prays for you, that, that supports you, and I mean that in the broadest sense, that supports you in the thing that God has given you to do. It's important that you know that. Let's have a word of prayer, and then, Pastor, I'll give it to you. Lord, use the word of God today that we would all do what we're meant to do and play our part. And, Lord, ultimately that you'd be glorified in it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.